passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18. That makes sense that these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Rewind a Raw. I'm John Pollock, joined by Waiting. How are you, Wei? Doing pretty well. Doing great. You? I'm doing. I'm doing well. How was your weekend? It was good. Yeah, it was very busy, eventful. So, uh, good. Yeah, some a lot of wrestling. Yes, yes. Is that how you will remember this weekend? There was a lot of wrestling. <laughs> Uh yeah yeah the Royal Rumble, <laughs> it's very the worlds collide. I mean, what a weekend! January twenty fifth, sixth, and seventh were you know, UFC, Bellator. I mean, shit, it was like it was packed. Yeah, yeah, Mon- uh, life changing. I think it was. It was. You were you were staring at a ring for the whole weekend. It seemed between all the wrestling you had to watch. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? Oh God, uh, I'm I'm doing great. I'm doing wonderful. Are you still jet lagged? How how are you feeling now? Now you've been back uh, a week. You were kind of feeling it this weekend. You thought you were still kind of exhausted Sunday night, but I I maintain that was just because of uh, Bailey and Lacey Evans. But how are you feeling now? You know, I certainly felt it last night. Tonight I was full of energy. Like I was okay. good for this raw, and I woke up pretty early today too. So um, yeah, maybe I don't know what that says. I don't really know how jet lag really works, to be honest. I went to I I had like your hours. I went to sleep last night at four thirty in the morning, and then I woke up at nine, and here we are. How do you feel? I'm okay. I never really uh, got super tired today. I just mm-hmm. felt in my mind that I, I didn't sleep a whole lot, but nonetheless, here we have qu- quite a bit to talk about on this episode of Raw. So we're going to be uh, moving to that soon, but we have we're, we have a lot coming up on this show. We're on the road, John. We're officially on the road now to WrestleMania. The um, ten week, sixty nine day road to WrestleMania. Ten week. I think they should. Yeah. How long? How, how far could you get in ten weeks if you were to drive that length? Um, you could get pretty damn far in ten weeks. Can you, can, you go you from can... like Alaska to like, um, like South America? In ten weeks, yeah. Um, Can I even Google see. Map that? Yeah, you could absolutely Google Map that. We're we're gonna see the uh, the distance here. So we're gonna go driving distance. What do you think it is from Anchorage, Alaska? To what's the most southern? Like, L- let's just say to uh, Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Okay, okay. just for the sake of uh, finding a Southern American location. So. Uh-huh. 
Actually, I don't oh boy, know. I this is taking it. me to uh, where, where the hell am I here? What would be what would be your guess here? Can you actually map? Like, are there actually roads? <laughs> I'm. It's sending me to this date and time website. How many hours? That's what I'm looking. I for. mean, is that even drivable? Like, can I? Can I don't know if it is. I don't know if it is. I don't know who in their right mind would ever try this. Panama City. The fact that I'm having such a difficult time uh, pulling this up probably yeah, this tells you that it's po- it, podcasting. But like, why would it not be? Like, there's no body of water that's yeah. separating them, so it's like it can be done. It's just an it extraordinary amount of time that it would take. And maybe Google uh, Maps just doesn't have it. Like, maybe they they haven't mapped out a certain path. Let me just ask: Can I drive from Alaska to? I'm more so just what is this? curious. Now. Southern country, Argentina. Yeah, it can't. Ca- Google Maps can't calculate the driving distance from Rio de Janeiro to Anchorage, Alaska. Uh, okay, so the Pan American Highway, the longest road in the world, at its fullest extent, the Pan American Highway is a network of roads stretching from Prudhoe Bay, Alaska, to Ushuaia, Argentina, a distance of around forty-eight thousand kilometers or thirty thousand miles. Jesus Christ. Okay, so how long would it take me to drive 48,000 kilometers? Okay, how about this? From from Anchorage, Alaska to Toronto. What do you guess? Okay. This one, it does calculate. Okay, 4,000 miles from Anchorage to Toronto. How long do you think that would take in your car? Uh, 4,000? I mean, I've heard of people doing like cross-Canada road trips. I'm, I'm, yeah, this I'm, is not out of the realm of... Uh, you know, you, you could do this. If you're driving, I'm going to say maybe 10 days. 67 hours. That's not crazy. Like four days? It's, it's like four days. Oh, Under wow. Four okay. days. So then that means this is not a big deal at all. It's like three all. days. Yeah. Okay, so 48,000. 48,000 kilometers. Let me... How do I calculate this? 48,000 kilometers. We just calculated 4,000. So like 10 times that is what you're looking for. Oh, okay. So four times. So what, 40 days? Probably be taking you about 670 hours. So in 10 weeks, you really could like get around the world, I think. (laughs) The road to WrestleMania is like like a, a world. Like you can go around the world in 10 weeks. Are you kidding me? That's the all that just to... Uh, calculate this equation. We spent Guess what like to, to fly minutes. from Toronto to Tampa. It's about two and a half hours. Yeah, that's the road we're taking. You can do that in a morning. Yeah, which is what we're probably going to be doing. Yeah, sorry, sorry to take up all all of your uh, po- uh, podcast listening times. Like the people on YouTube are really going to get mad. Those people, especially who couldn't be bothered to look down into the description for the start time, of the actual review, they're really going to be upset. Well, that, that's the uh, the kind of banter you get here on, on this show. All right, let's get into things. Uh, I, I'm, I'm mindful of the times of, of these shows, and then I go and do a, an eight-minute bit here with you about uh, driving from Anchorage, Alaska. But uh, let's, let's quickly go over a few things. Uh, coming up on the show, we're going to have our review of Raw. We're going to go through all the news. And then at the end of the show, we have our results early. So we're going to be going through the results of the Royal Rumble pool at the end of the show. So we will get to that. So... Hang tight, and our man Chris Engler has been able to process the winners and my personal favorite, all of the bizarre entries that were submitted. I look forward to reading all of these as well.
Chris has been on a bit of a road to somewhere himself. He's been he he was he did mu- much of this calculating on a layover from his trip to Hawaii. So thank you, Chris. We 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 appreciate it. All right, uh, coming up this week, looking at the schedule Tuesday night, Way and I are back with our Ask Away Mailbag Show. It's our first one this year, so you can tune into that on Tuesday night if you're a member of the Post Wrestling Cafe. Wednesday night, we've got Rewinded Dynamite and Up Next coming your way, chronicling all of the Wednesday night festivities. Hey, congratulations to Braden and Davey on hitting 200 patrons. This was a goal that they had for the end of the year, but they already reached it like less than a month into the year. So big congrats to those guys. Yes, they're going to be setting their their lofty goals even higher now for 2020. Uh, congratulations to to both of them who have uh, put in a, a lot of work, a lot of hard work into mm-hmm. uh, building up uh, that base for themselves. So congratulations to Braden and to Davey as well. On Thursday, it's the return of the Cafe Hangout. Dare I say, Way, the season premiere of the Cafe Hangout? You, I dare you to say that. I dare I you. Did it. Double I dare did you. it. I did it. I double dog dare you to join me on the season premiere of the Cafe Hangout live this Thursday, 3 p.m. Eastern time. And wait, we're going to be joined by a guest. That's right. Yeah. Gareth from Crapple is going to be joining us. He is a, the creator of Crapple. And uh, those of you who use Grapple know, I think, how, how great of a resource it is for trying to see what the top matches were for the end of the year. Uh, many of your end of year lists, you could just you know go on the app and figure it out. And Gra- Gareth himself has like taken all that information that he's been collecting, and he's basically made the Grapple 100, I believe that is what he called, which is which indicates the top hundred matches of the year. Uh, I believe they're you know best of lists about the the top wrestlers of the year as well. So he, I believe, would probably possess a great unique insight into a best of list with a lot of actual statistical data. So I wanted to talk to him about it and and uh, see what all that was about. Yes. So we'll be chatting how you tabulate match ratings uh, with Gareth. I'm looking forward to that. should be fun. We'll have your phone calls as always. And whatever else is going on in the world of wrestling this coming Thursday on the Cafe Hangout, that is available for all patrons to watch live and call in. Friday night, we've got Rewind to SmackDown with myself and Way. That will also be on the Cafe. And then Sunday, we have Thunderstruck with WH Park. And he is going to be joined... This week, uh, he's going to be joined by um, dot dot dot. I'll figure it out. You have? Oh, do you? Ha- <laughs> Sounds like there's going to be a lot of editing for this podcast. I should have had the schedule right right in front of me. Number fourteen, my, right? It will be no number fifteen. I've got it here. Oh, he's with uh, with Rich Critch from yes. Voices of Wrestling. Jushin Thunder Liger, Tiger Mask 3 from the Tokyo Dome show, January 4th of 1994. Uh, so uh, that should be a, a really fun match. Mask versus Mask from uh, the Tokyo Dome that year. So uh, Rich Kreich, our friends at Voices of Wrestling, uh, will be represented on Thunderstruck. And then Sunday night, while everyone's watching the Super Bowl, Wei and I are going to be chatting about the new beginning cards that New Japan is putting on this weekend. They have two cards. We'll be chatting the highlights of those cards which will be a Patreon show Sunday night uh, for everyone to look forward to. I'm so excited. Uh, it sounds like it. I'm so it's excited. a quiet weekend. I'm I'm, uh, yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that we have a kind of a come down weekend, even though there's still, you know, two new Japan shows, there's still stuff to watch, but not like this past weekend, this past weekend, there was, there was quite a lot to cover, to watch. So 
this weekend. Will you be watching the Super Bowl at all? No, I didn't even know it was happening. Do you know who's playing? I believe uh, I I had deduced that it was the the Browns and nope. the other Brown team. No, nope. it is, is it? the Forty Niners and okay. the Chiefs, Kansas City oh, and so San Francisco. It, so it was the red teams. The red teams are playing. Yes, right. Whatever. Okay. Yep, that's it. Shakira and Jennifer Lopez are on the halftime show. Great. Awesome. It's exciting stuff. All right. Let's move on to the news. There's a fair amount of it to talk about. And we can start with this report that just dropped from Ryan Satin at Pro Wrestling Sheep. And uh, I'll just read this from Pro Wrestling Sheep. Sources tell us that Andrade, real name Manuel Oropesa, was told of uh, – has – violated the company's wellness policy. He was told of the suspension this morning. It's unclear what substance he tested positive for at this time in an effort to write him off television for the next 30 days. The 30-year-old wrestler was disqualified from his match on Raw tonight due to interference from Zelina Vega. Um, and he, there's uh, more to uh, the story here, but that's essentially the uh, the summary here that Andrade is, looks like the reason they did the big angle is, well, he is going to be disappearing for a month. Yeah, and for those who didn't watch Raw, he took a hammerlock DDT onto a concrete from Roberto Carrillo. Interesting that they, I mean, didn't just take the belt off of him. No, and I would wonder if they found out about the results of the test, if it was Monday morning, or if they knew on Sunday, you would think if they had known Sunday, they would have potentially taken the title off him, unless they look at it that, okay, we're not changing whatever plans we have, there's a reason Andrade has this title. We're just going to, you know, if you are going to get uh, a wellness policy violation, at least it's happening now and not too close to WrestleMania. I mean, he'll mm-hmm. still be back with plenty of time if, you know, if he's got a mania program in mind and just everything's on hold for four weeks. Suppose it might, you know, maybe lead some to believe that he'll probably be holding that belt all the way until mania if they're keeping it on him here. And, um, not to expect any uh, U.S. title defenses for the next 30 days. No, no. What will we do without the United States title in Jeez. circulation for the next month? No Interim belt, obviously. Oh, maybe Umberto could have had an interim title created yeah. for himself. Yeah. You know, you, you told me about this, uh, th- this news prior to, to us going on air, and I, I think I, my immediate re- reaction was just how peculiar it is that in, the, in WWE, at least, if, if somebody fails something they still get to perform that night before they're just straight up suspended. Whereas like, I guess in any other sport, if you're caught with something, I don't see, you know, a a league allowing somebody to play one more game before you can actually get suspended. Yeah. I mean, you do have the difference that this is not, competitive sport so it's not like you're putting somebody in jeopardy against uh an athlete with some kind of uh supplement in inside of them or whatever the substance is but yeah there was a time when you were immediately i mean when they started it they would have times where they they would write people off but i seem to recall there was also a period where they wouldn't even do that much and they clearly are doing that now that they're not going to let a wellness violation get in the way of their creative plans or at least a way to write someone off um so Hmm. anyway it's the wwe wellness policy which uh, i think certainly comes 
uh, with certain levels of scrutiny as well. And I guess it's more so interesting just the fact that they went the longest period of time with no suspensions. And now all of a sudden we've gotten a handful of them over the last few months. Yeah. Do you think that's just, I mean, who knows why that is? Ab- right? Absolutely no idea. Like yeah. well, rhyme or reason. Um, in terms of edge, uh, so a lot has been discussed about him. I think it's it's very clear by the end of tonight, the uh, the reports that it would be Edge and Randy Orton at WrestleMania. Uh, we'll get into the actual angle itself. Uh, but Edge is back. He looks to be doing WrestleMania with Randy Orton. And I guess the question, Way, could you see him working before WrestleMania? Or do you think that they will just hold off and wait until Mania? Because to me, the... The card that I would I would look at and just question is, uh, do you throw edge on that Saudi Arabia card? You know, I I think with like initially while talking about this topic last night, I I mean with all the possibility of opponents that are fresh opponents that are out there for Edge, I would have figured he would have at least done a couple tag matches, maybe most notably an actual rated RKO tag team run. But seeing the angle that they conducted here, the severity of the angle that they conducted here, I think it was specifically done so that you could justify Edge being out for a like a, a pretty sustainable amount of time all the way up until WrestleMania where he already has a ready-made program set up for him with Randy Orton. So with with the Saudi Arabia show, I think happening, you know, what feels like relatively soon, I would say, for for a um, uh, an angle of, of, I think, this sort of magnitude, I, I, I don't expect him, you know, um, other, other than the fact that, you know, for a run-in. But then again, it's like, can... Can you really like would Edge himself maybe justify? Well, I'm sure if the the payday might might be right, um, maybe it would be justified. But I mean, flying all the way out there just to do an angle with Orton, I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah, like the way things were being set up tonight, I easily could have seen them doing, you know, the tag match in Saudi Arabia, and then you do the turn right afterwards, and you've still got a month to build up WrestleMania. But they went right to the angle tonight, so. Um, you know, no no hints of uh, anything for Saudi Arabia tonight, to be honest. And that's your next major pay-per-view. There was re- really nothing, like no teases of anything. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I guess this was like a, you know, a pretty big post-rumble type of show. Maybe get that out of the way. Do you expect Brock to be on the show? In Saudi Arabia? Yeah. Probably, yeah. Probably, I mean, he's yeah. he's been on every one. Um I just don't know where you put him in there. They really haven't built anything towards him. I, w- I wouldn't want to see him and Drew in like some, some kind of tag scenario. Like Brock's really not someone you, you pair with anyone. I, I don't know. I thought maybe tonight with Brock there, you would have teased something for Saudi Arabia because I, I can't imagine the Saudi Arabia show without Brock on, mm-hmm. on that show. So yeah, that's a interesting question of what he ends up doing on that show and what, what the makeup of that card is uh, may not be until next week that we start to see an indication of where they're going. Um, so in regards to the, the Royal Rumble, um, Dave Meltzer reported on this. I was uh, told the same as well, that the initial plans saw Shayna Baszler and Roman Reigns set to win the Royal Rumble matches respectively. And at some point, uh, they changed those plans. I was told, I, I don't know what day they made this switch, but I was told as of last Wednesday, they were no longer winning the Rumble matches. And uh, do, do you think, you know, in hindsight, did they go the right direction in, in both cases? I I was very high on what they did with Drew McIntyre. I think that was the best course of action for the men's match. I agree. I think Drew was absolutely the right call. Um, I think Aleister Black will get his time. It didn't, 
necessarily feel like it needed to be this one. Uh, it it just yeah, it just feels like he's just starting still. As far as you know, Charlotte goes. I mean, I that one I think he is definitely much more debatable. Uh, I think many were expecting Shayna to win. Without knowing exactly what they had planned for Charlotte or Shayna Baszler at Mania, I can't really say what was the right call. You know, um, I feel so, like so. Their, Dave, Dave has reported yeah. that um, Becky Lynch and Shayna Baszler is currently scheduled, and I was told shortly after the Rumble that the plan right now is not for Charlotte to be challenging for the Raw or SmackDown Women's Title. They have an idea in mind for her for another singles match, and. Uh, they didn't hint at that tonight, but uh, so Charlotte, it's like it doesn't look like she would be paired with Becky or with Bailey for so, WrestleMania. So they will somehow get the title shot off of her. Uh, not necessarily. Oh, you okay. Could go, so NXT then. You could go that way, and hmm. that and that brings uh, the the other option. Like that was the promo tonight. Was that yeah. she will be going for a championship? And I, I think you could certainly look at Rhea Ripley being a more interesting option than than Bailey. That would be cool, actually. Yeah, that would be cool. Um you know, they could have gone the Shayna route and then had had a straight line to to um uh uh, uh Becky. Mm-hmm. And in the end it'll, all the pieces will fall into place, you know. It really is just just is about like who you want to give that initial attention to. I I think I you all things considered, I would have given it to Shayna. I think that sort of like spotlight being given on her, that sort of credential of being a Royal Rumble winner, would have added that much more to to her current push, uh, and I think would have added a lot more fuel to a Shayna versus Becky match, which I see getting a, a few more headlines than Charlotte versus even if it was somebody like Rhea Ripley. Uh, we mentioned on Sunday's uh, post show, AJ Styles, it was believed, uh, suffered an injury. And then afterwards, uh, news was reported about him suffering a shoulder injury. He was held off of Raw tonight. We did not see him. Uh, but I did go and rewatch the spot where he took the spear from Edge. And in taking it, like he rotated over and came down on his shoulder. And it was just a rough landing. And he immediately went over to the corner. He was communicating with one of the officials. And then you saw him just kind of go over to Edge, whisper something to him, and Edge just tossed him out. And Edge seemed to look concerned for him. So um, uh, it, I guess it's just um, I, I don't know what the update is on him, how severe the injury is. Hopefully it's something that is not going to keep him out for, for too long, but uh, probably smart keeping him off the show tonight if there's any any risk of the injury being serious. It is a crucial time right now, you know, uh, for for anybody. I'm sure, you know, everybody's trying their best not to get injured and uh, having to miss something like a WrestleMania weekend. So hopefully he can uh, recover in time. And uh, two final quick notes here at the New Japan show tonight in Durham, North Carolina. Marty Skrull showed up to challenge Jay White for Supercard of Honor. So that looks to be that direction. And... From over the weekend, the Briscoe brothers announcing they have re-signed with Ring of Honor. And I think that the Briscoe brothers at this point will... You have to imagine they're probably going to end up with Ring of Honor for the duration of their careers. They seem very happy there. And the talk had always been like they are probably unlikely to go to WWE just because they don't want to uproot their families and where they live. And this is a year where with the AEW option, um, moving wouldn't have 
been an option for them. And I, I would have been curious. I'm I'm sure that they would have had interest, but I think they genuinely really like where they are and probably got good deals. You would think you would guess. Yeah, you would think so. I I mean, um, how much of it of, of all this do you think has to do with like other factors, if you know what I mean? Are you talking about like other companies may not no. want to go? I mean, I mean the Briscoe specifically, and their maybe uh some of their their personal views. Well, I mean the big one is that that tweet that Jay Briscoe made a number of years ago um, about his uh, what would be taught to his children in school, and uh, that that was certainly not a, a great look for him. I do not think that would disqualify other companies from being interested in, in Even a company like AEW that, that seems to pride itself on, I think inclusivity. Um, I think that it's, it was a tweet that that many years ago, I just don't know if that's going to hold you back from something that he, for all we know, he may not think that way now. Um, I, I just don't, don't think know. if, yeah. And I mean, he would hardly be the only person in this industry that is, I mean, look at, Scorpio Sky. I mean, he went through something years ago, and he's been very remorseful for that Mm -hmm. and apologized for it. And it was something that was not held against him um, for at least when AEW was getting up off the ground. And he has addressed it. He spoke to Chris Van Vliet about that and has been, you know, he's apologized for it. I I think that you are going to get instances where, you know, guys have said things in the past that I, I don't know if companies are going to draw a line and say, we will not hire that person. Mm. All right. So those are all of your news items uh, for the day. There's a lot going on, so you can get caught up at postwrestling.com and we'll head over to raw from San Antonio, Texas at the AT&T center and opening up the show, the new voice of raw Tom Phillips, along with Jerry Lawler and Byron Saxton. So we have a new play by play voice and the return of the three man team. Yeah. And the return of Byron Saxton. You know, um, sure. we we talked about this a little last night, and I, 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 it's not that I think Vic was doing a bad job at all, but in fact, that technically I feel like they're they're both kind of the same, him, he and Phillips. But I do find myself a bit more familiar with the voice of Tom Phillips and Byron Saxton, because I for some reason I still tend to associate Vic Joseph's voice with Two Hundred Five Live and not necessarily like a main roster product. Um, so I kind of like this team more. And I, I enjoy Brian By, Byron here as well. I think as a WWE color guy, he's become pretty good, especially here without Graves there to overshadow him. I think he could start to shine. Um, I, I was fine with all of this. And then I heard the line of all lines when Jerry Lawler said that, to quote a fellow Memf- uh, Memphis native, Justin Timberlake, <laughs> Byron, we're bringing Saxy back. Saxy, he said, "We're bringing Saxy back in re- that... reference to Saxton." Oh, okay, okay, huh? It's pretty good, <laughs> isn't it? I guess so. Yeah, that could okay. be our show title if we're really scrambling. Um, yeah, I, I personally, I, I like Vic Joseph. I think that he was really thrust into a difficult spot. To all of a sudden, you're on Raw and calling it. Um, I, I really hope that he's, you know, kept, you know. Put him on another show, and he's young enough that I hope that you know he can. They can groom him for something down the road. I 
you know, this is obviously a setback for him and probably, you know, difficult whenever you have to take a demotion when you're getting pulled from a show. But I hope that he just lands somewhere and in the future he could be up for a play-by-play role because I do think he is he is good. He was just put in a, you know, into a into a big role and it kind of calls for – I think all of these play-by-play announcers, especially on Raw, you are very much still in the shadow of Jim Ross, that that is where people – project that that large personality that has that commanding lead of your broadcast and i think michael cole dealt with that for years and i think all of these announcers that's the comparison especially when you're in the lead seat on raw yeah it's a lot of pressure no doubt yeah it's a lot of pressure um you know living up to that standard it's a lot of pressure living up to a wrestling audience which as we know john is can be very critical and it's a it's a it's a high pressure job just simply having Vince McMahon in your ear directing you at all times. So um, I, I I you know he's still young and and like as we've seen, they they aren't afraid to move people around the moment something you know isn't up to their standard or or their liking. So I have no doubt he'll find his way back onto Raw or SmackDown or NXT or any of these other shows in, in a pretty quick amount of time. This was also Tom Phillips' third night in a row with Worlds Collide, the Rumble, and his voice was certainly feeling it on night three. He's been doing a good job, I think. Drew McIntyre comes out, and everyone was wondering, where's the sign? Where's the sign? And Drew pointed it out for everyone. That was really helpful, and we all got to see it. Really big this year. It's huge. It's like the, um, the shape of a... Man, we're going the full pirate theme. Mike Murray suggested that they should encourage people to have like a, a pirate themed costume uh, party like Vegas with the togas. Like, like, like all the, the fans show fans? up dressed as pirates. Did they encourage the audience for WrestleMania nine to dress up in togas? Yeah, they encouraged, they wanted people to show up in togas. They wanted, that's what they were promoting as the world's largest toga party. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, they can do that. Yeah. I mean, It'd be wildly obnoxious being in Tampa, seeing all these people with eye patches. It'd be dangerous seeing people drive with eye patches. That's what I'm afraid of. But um, sure, you know how how get, unfortunate. Get Tony Chimmel introducing the rated R superstar. Yep, they could do that. Yeah, how unfortunate that like you know the the one time they have a pirate theme show. I mean, your pirate Kyrie Sane is no longer playing a pirate. Um, your PCO po- is uh, no longer a exactly. pirate. The other pirate that you you formerly employed is the champion of a rival company right now. So man, maybe maybe he can come back for a one time appearance. What was the name of the the guy on SmackDown that was the pirate? Oh, Paul Burchill. Bur- Paul Burchill. Yeah, so he can come back. Why wasn't he in the Rumble? Well, uh, Andre Battle Royal, perhaps. Perhaps maybe you could go back and get some of these pirates. Drew McIntyre is, uh, he talks about someone's got to pinch him. He's been dreaming for the past 24 hours, and he's not playing any games. He's challenging Brock Lesnar for the title at WrestleMania. He's not terrified of Lesnar. He knows he can claymore him and beat him for the title. And he says, I want to have a claymore party. A claymore party. Wow. Hey, Mom, I'm going to a Claymore I'm sending the invitation back on that one. I am not RSVPing to the Claymore party. Claymore party. Like, wow. What is that? Like a Play-Doh party? They got to ditch ditch that term quick. I hope this is not like we're going to get this term over. Claymore party? 
or Claymore? Yes. Claymore party. Yeah, so I think we've talked about this before. The uh, Claymore is, is a sword, right? Scottish sword. Yes. So um, it sounds like a dangerous party. A sword party. A sword fight. <laughs> yeah. No, I like the promo a lot. I think he, he really comes across as a baby face that's full of confidence. Yep. Some so many guys, especially when they go up against Brock Lesnar, they do the underdog thing, doubting doubting themselves, you know, showing showing fear as they're about to go up against this unbeatable monster in Brock. And those guys make it work. But I think when you have somebody of Drew's size and stature, fans are certainly ready for somebody who feels confident that they could beat Brock Lesnar and is so confident that, you know, um they're 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 they don't hesitate at all at calling Brock out after winning the rumble. And in this case, uh, so confident that they he's willing to take on two guys at the same time. Yeah, I thought when he first walked out, it it wasn't a gigantic reaction he got coming off the Royal Rumble, but I would say once he got into the ring and the music ended, like the crowd was into him, but I mean, he is still, uh, like work there's still progress. work to be done with Drew McIntyre over these 10 weeks to get him up to that level of WrestleMania challenger. But I think that it's been uh, a tremendous 24-hour period for him. The Rumble was very strongly booked, and I think he he greatly uh, was enhanced by that that win. So he asks, who has the balls to fight him? Anderson and Gallows come out. They're ready for a Claymore party, and we get a handicap match. Claymore's to both guys, and he just puts Gallows on top of Anderson, and pins both in 219 as Jerry Lawler says that he has single-handedly beat the best tag team in the world. Oh, please. <laughs> they had the trophy to prove it. Oh, that the is Best true. team in the world. You know what? I guess he, he wasn't bullshitting. That is yeah. a fact. You know, this crowd was so into this countdown before the yes. Claymore. This 3-2-1 thing. I mean, whoever came up with it is just really quite brilliant. Like, it is so stupid. But you know what I've come to realize? Is that we're all stupid you know we're so easy to please we just want something easy to chant along with we just want numbers okay in in sequence that we can we can count along with and and you got us three two one boom that's it maybe brock's gonna start doing it with the f5 he's gonna count down from five every wrestler should count three two one before they hit their finisher (laughs) oh my god that would be painful So Drew is standing tall when Brock Lesnar appears from behind and hits him with the F12345 and lays out Drew. And the match is officially announced for WrestleMania, Brock Lesnar and Drew McIntyre, which is the only match officially announced so far for Mania. Yeah, you're right. You know, Brock versus Drew, um, I think still you still have a lot of work to do with Drew McIntyre at the moment. That that is not a match that feels like it's a big match. Uh, but nonetheless, there's a great deal of momentum behind Drew if they continue this push as strongly as they have over the past 24 hours. And, and more importantly, if the audience continues to take them as much as they have over the past 24 hours, it, it can't. It definitely has the potential. Ultimately, you're looking for somebody who can equal or even be a successor to Brock Lesnar. And I think Drew is, you know, as good of a candidate as as you might get. Yeah, and I wouldn't have been so sure a month or two ago about that. But, you know, they've... They've done a good job with Drew here, and I think they're he's you know, his promos have been very good too. And I think you you can certainly see that that confidence in him that this is the biggest push of his career. And there is a really great story to tell with Drew McIntyre of this guy from 
the time he was introduced by Vince McMahon as the chosen one a decade ago to really floundering in his first run, getting fired, working his way back, and now all of a sudden in, in a top spot, and it's and it feels like the audience seems to be taking to it pretty well. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, remember the um, 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 three man uh, band? No, that also the um, the documentary that. Um, David Lagana uh, did. Lagana did. Yep. Yeah, to go from that weekend at WrestleMania to where he is now, pretty crazy. Yeah, where you and I were watching him at Evolve, and then he was popping up a takeover that weekend. Mm-hmm. So Edge did not open the show. They saved Edge for the final segment of the show and built up to his appearance uh, by airing all of these classic clips from his career, the TLC match at WrestleMania X7, the cash-in on John Cena in Albany in 2006, his uh, Royal Rumble win from 2010, and then his retirement speech in 2011. So they were not going to make you forget that Edge was showing up. Um, I just... I, I I feel like there is... This will be the ultimate test of can they at all mitigate that third-hour drop. My prediction is they do not, uh, because I think no matter what, that third hour goes down. But they were... They were going to put their biggest thing in that final segment tonight. It was certainly a test by the time that third hour rolled around, you know, um, considering I think the quality of content that they put on preceding that edge thing. You you have to be a really big edge fan, I think, in order to survive <laughs> that. So and I think we're at the point now where, like, even if you're a wrestling fan, you know that you could just find this clip on Twitter or YouTube like the day after. So. Also tonight, um, ESPN was re-airing Kobe Bryant's final game in the NBA from a few seasons ago, and that was airing at 9 o'clock, and I bet you that had enormous viewership tonight. Sure, yeah. Rey Mysterio comes out, and we get a video, uh, highlights of MVP, and MVP is back for his second night in a row. And we get a singles match here between these two. Chance of you still got it, which I think every wrestler hates that chant. He seemed to like it here, though. Like, how disappointing would it be if you're a guy returning like MVP and you don't get that chant? Isn't that worse? Well, I've just heard more wrestlers, like, complain about that chant than take it as a chant of endearment. Even though I, how, I think that's how it's meant by the audience. I don't think they're trying to say, like, oh, we thought you were washed up, but you're not. But I think that's how a lot of the wrestlers take it. Um, they mentioned that MVP's five-year-old son uh, got to see him wrestle because they were in Houston on Sunday, and his favorite wrestler is Rey Mysterio. Uh, they went through a commercial break. Rey was uh, put in place and took the ball and elbow, and then he came back, head scissors, and we just got this messed up 619 where Rey runs into the rope, and as he's running, MVP like stands up and starts walking away, and we get the... As uh, Tom Phillips dubbed it, the six-one spine. Wow! Where he caught him in the back with his kick, and then Ray just didn't stop. He just proceeded with a springboard splash and pinned him. And I mean, it was it was very awkward looking, but they they made it like they did. They didn't like just freeze. Uh, they I just kept going. Was, I think it was intentional. I mean. For what to he was supposed to hit him in the back to work up to work the spine? Why not? You, I, I just I don't know if uh, I think Tom Phillips is good. I don't know if he's that good to be able to come up with that on the spot like that. And also, it, it really did feel to me like it was part of the finish. How 
MVP purpose. Like, why would MVP get up for in the middle of a six one nine for no reason? You know, why why would you toy around with the biggest pop of the match, which is always going to be the six one nine? Like, I I well, just don't know why you would mess with that. I feel like it, this this was just something that maybe veterans would do just to change it up a little and and give us something different from what we've seen a million times before, which is a typical six one nine with a splash. I mean. Okay, whether or not it was planned, I thought it, to me, it played out pretty flawlessly because whether or not it was a, a intentional or a save, it, it was logical. He kicked him in the back with the 619 and then finished him with the splash to, to the back. So it made sense by the end. So Ray gets the win. Um, do you think we see MVP again or do you think this was probably just he came in for a second night and that's probably it? This was really interesting to me because like, I guess last year, what, what did we have? We had Jeff, Jeff Jarrett do, do a match after rumble as well we had but, jeff jared show up for i mean granted he's uh he's he's there on the road with them but yeah we we saw jeff for for a couple appearances after the rumble last year sure yeah uh so yeah i'm not sure if, if you'd get the same with mvp um i was a little surprised that the, he did get the match here and not just a match but but a match that i felt like was pretty substantial I, and i was really happy for him you know if you're watching like something like the, him on the wrestlers the guy talks about kind of being at the end of his road nearing retirement wrestling in like indie venues doing comedy matches but here like not only did he receive a good amount of time and space to craft a substantial match he had a one against one of the greatest wrestlers of all time on national tv I thought and his kid's that, favorite wrestler i mean that had to be really cool wrestler, for sure i thought this was a really good match i thought ray looked great i thought mvp really looked good too he looked to be in shape technique was crisp timing was crisp i mean I guess so much. Some of it depends on what, how you interpreted the finish. I thought it was planned, but who knows at this point? Um, I think the only thing missing though was audience reaction. Yeah. Unfortunately, MVP is just isn't the type of name that evokes a great deal of nostalgia nor like warmth, you know, from the audience. He's still a very good performer, but I, I just, I see less incentive in retaining him for star power because unfortunately, it doesn't seem to be. That much coming from at least just the name MVP. Yeah, it, you know, in a perfect world, I, I think he could transition and be a great manager. Uh, hint, hint for Bobby Lashley, like they had an impact. Um, but mm -hmm. as well, like I could certainly see a value of WWE having this guy as someone that they send out to do a lot of community work, speeches. If you've seen this guy's TED Talk, it's phenomenal. And he's like, he's a really great story of, uh, of a guy who's very open about his past and what he learned from it. He's a great public speaker. And to me, he could be a great ambassador for this company uh, if they're looking at a role for him outside of the ring. I think there is an option there. Yeah, I agree completely. Alistair Black defeated the cruiserweight classic alumni Kenneth Johnson in oh, 34 seconds. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Uh, just hit a black mass really quickly and then grabbed the microphone. My Twitter lit up. <laughs> I have not. I'm not going to disappoint. Last night, I got eliminated in the Royal Rumble. But before you think that people like Buddy Murphy or Seth Rollins are to blame, the only person accountable is me if i start something and don't end it that loss is on me and i own that loss i have made the mistake of waiting for people to come to me to pick a fight with me as of now the raw locker room that changes you 
are no longer the one that picks a fight with me. No, I will bring the fight to you. Mm. So it's taken this guy nine months to realize no one cares about coming and knock on your door. We're busy. We've got stuff to do. You've got to initiate. He's wasted like a lot of time. A lot of time, dude. He was called up a year ago. A lot of gas, driving, um, a lot of like, you know. Could have driven to Anchorage in this time. <laughs> yeah, it was nine months. He could have gone around the world probably like 15 to 30 times. Probably did. So, um, anyway, I'm glad he came to his senses. You know what? Uh, unlike last week, we, we actually got a promo here at the end of the squash match. And to my knowledge, I don't know if he's cut this type of promo before in front of a crowd. Um how did you find it in front of an audience? Uh, this came across like this was much smoother from him. It wasn't like the over-the-top delivery that I, I think he's in, in a pre-tape setting in a room. I think he's just he's more enunciating so much. And I think that's what I kind of would be drawn to. And in this, he's, he did come across more uh, as a natural speaker here. But I don't. Th- this is a guy that I would not make promos his, his forte. Like this is a guy. But that is a requisite it seems like um i think it's a good sign that they're allowing him to talk uh it means to me that they're serious about the guy i think promos can can't like promos are necessary for everybody and i I don't think there's a problem at all in fact like there's no problem at all with letting him talk in fact i think he absolutely needs to it's it's i think the promo style like i appreciate the fact that they've tried something different with him and they've given him his own unique voice but like (sighs) Did this crowd shit on this? You know, did they pepper this with what chance? No, they didn't. They were attentive. But did they love it? It's really hard to say. Because I, I wouldn't say they were necessarily reacting very big for any of this at all. I, he, all they wanted was Edge on this show. That seemed well, to be what this audience wanted. I think if Alistair Black just came out and cut, talked like a normal normal person, um, I there's something about the way he speaks that just feels incredibly forced, is not very relatable. And ultimately, I just find a little bit dorky. And kind of weird. Like, he does these kicks that just make him look like the coolest guy in, in school. But then he starts talking, and it's just like, oh, okay. Like, you know, you're not that cool. Like, so I, I think it kind of holds him back. You know, like, it, the fact that he has a unique voice is not a bad thing at all. But maybe it's just too unique right now. Needs MVP. Maybe that's what he needs. That'd be quite the pair. Seth Rollins and Buddy Murphy come out. Rollins talked about how close he was to winning the Rumble the second year in a row, but then got eliminated by Drew. But the positives are they eliminated Owens and Joe, and they're not going to WrestleMania. He called Buddy his newest disciple. And then Owens and Joe come out. They cut a promo about Rollins talking too much, and they ask where AOP are because they must be hidden, and they're going to jump them during their tag title match. And AOP appears on the screen. Joe calls bullshit on this, saying... We know that's a pre-tape. And Rollins said, are you calling me a liar? And he gets, he asks one of them a question and they respond. And instead of Owens and Joe just ending up looking like idiots, they outsmarted Rollins because now he has revealed where AOP is backstage, allowing the Viking Raiders to jump them. So these Viking Raiders, they were there in lightning quick speed. Yeah, they must have like, superpowers or something like it took him like two seconds to find this room and walk in yeah aop just got pummeled 
Yeah. I thought this was like kind of clever calling out sort of like the pre-tape versus live dynamic of these like Titan Tron appearances. Um, it was fine. I think as a way to promise that this match wouldn't have any interference, it worked. Yeah, I, I was waiting for uh, Viking Raiders to go attack them. And right as they're about to swing, they would they would cut away to a fan. Yes, yes. A lot of uh, criticism about that last night. You know, uh, so many people were upset about that. And I was just thinking, do you think for one second that the WWE does not have 10,000 angles of of this thing? Don't worry. That spear was caught. And what, before the end of the day, they had alternate footage out. Did of the Edge WWE spearing. show it then? Because all the angles I saw were like fan, fan. No, WWE put out a new video tonight on, uh, I saw it on like YouTube, I think. Uh, Not on Raw. They put it online, but they showed, yeah, yeah, WWE had multiple angles. I'll tell you what's odd is that like even, like you had Dolph Ziggler ask for the angle. Like he, Dolph Ziggler actually like kind of turned this into, to me, like a bigger thing. Well, he was pissed. He probably went to the back. He wanted to like see the spear that he took and... Could you imagine sitting down and watching this and seeing that cutaway if you're Dolph Ziggler? Dolph Ziggler's official tweets, okay? Who cuts away from an official in-ring return while two opponents are running towards each other? People make mistakes. We all do, and I have made tons. That being said, a very special moment was inexplicably missed. Anyone got cell phone footage? Well, if you go to their YouTube right now, they have it. It's called Unseen Footage of Edge's Royal Rumble Return. Yeah. And they've got the clean spear. Um, you know, I, I can't definitely, I think the WWE tries too hard to like craft these moments with like crowd shots at inopportune times. And I, I'm sure whoever was directing that show last night was, was not very happy with that, that error. I mean, that said, like, it's so many of these, like, you know, scenes have, I think been made more special because of great crowd shots. So you can't really have it both ways. Certainly, like, it takes a great deal of sensitivity to be able to say, this is the time to cut to the crowd, this is not. And yes, it was probably a mistake to do it during the entrance last night. At the same time, like, The Undertaker, uh, the big bulgy eye dude, or The Miz Girl, or all these other things. It's like, you you, you can't really have one without the other. And there, I saw people calling out, calling out how, like, why does WWE insist on so many crowd shots? Well... Fuck, it's like, because it, it makes these moments special. And last night, Edge coming out was supposed to be a special moment that they wanted to, you know, showcase the atmosphere of. And unfortunately, a mistake was was mistimed. And that's what you got. But it's no, I think it's like, I think, as usual, it's like people overreacting over, like, a mistake. Yeah, that that, that was it. I think that there is, there there is a, like, I think, a larger discussion you can have on some of the WWE's uh, tendencies. Like, I, I saw the stat that, uh, Sean Ross Sapp pointed out that during the Edge's return, like that actual clip of him coming out, there were 40 camera cuts in like 90 seconds. That's a lot. That's a lot of cuts. Um, it's a lot. Yeah. It's probably got, you know, whoever whoever was in charge maybe got a little bit excited. It was an exciting moment. There's actually a really good uh, podcast with the, the the producers of the Super Bowl this Sunday uh, that they spoke to uh, Richard Deitch on the uh, sports media podcast. And they uh, I was only listening to this like a couple of days ago. So it was kind of funny with this edge thing. But they literally talked about their philosophy when it comes to crowd shots. And granted, it's it's a very different feel when you're talking about broadcasting a, 
a football game versus uh, a pro wrestling event where the crowd is so much more uh, a part of the show rather than just sort of um, accessories to that are viewing a football game. But it, it's interesting just to see from, you know, people that have produced multiple Super Bowls, um, how they approach like when they shoot, when they show someone in the crowd and when they do it like later in the game as well. So it's interesting stuff if you're into that kind of thing. So Rollins and Buddy Murphy versus Samoa Joe, Kevin Owens for the Raw tag titles. To set up the commercial break, uh, we had Owens leap off the apron onto Rollins and then Joe deliver a tope suicida to Buddy Murphy. And when we came back from commercial, Samoa Joe had been removed from the match after the way he landed from the dive. And it was a two-on-one handicap match for the rest of the match. So from what you could tell, this was like, you know... Just storyline, right? Well, Mike Johnson had an update stating it was it was legit. Really? I, I will say watching this, it just not only did it set up like an out for Owens to lose, but I thought like this match, if this was a real injury, then I give credit to all these three because like they worked this match seamlessly with all these like spots of Owens trying to overcome the two that it just seemed like this removal of Joe just seemed too too perfect. Well, it was this, uh, and as well the uh, disputed era um, Imperium match over the weekend that I think were really interesting examples of like great improvisation and and I think a great handling of like wrestler injury in the middle of a match. Uh, it surprises me that this was a legitimate injury, like you said, because I think it it it, it the way it played out almost felt like it was intentional and. I mean, I didn't really pay specific attention to that dive, but it just seemed like it was, you know, like any other dive that Joe's done in the past. So unfortunately, if that's the case. Yeah, I mean, uh, again, like if if it was legit here, then credit to the three that were involved because it was uh, worked out very well here through the end of this match. It was, you know, Owens just trying to get the advantage on one and then the other would run in to save. Uh, we had Rollins run into a pop-up powerbomb kicked out of that, then Murphy got dumped off the turnbuckle, and Owens landed a swanton. Seth came in to break that up. Uh, Owens was draped on the bottom rope, avoided the stomp, and then hit a stunner to Rollins, but with his back turned, Buddy Murphy rolls him up at 15 minutes and 48 seconds, so Rollins and Murphy retain the Raw tag titles over, well, just Kevin Owens. You know, on paper, I was really looking forward to this match. And I think if there's any positive we can already take from this from this like Rollins heel run, it's that we get to see Buddy Murphy in the mix with these guys on Raw rather than like being stuck on 205 Live. Like he he belongs up there with like Seth Rollins and and Joe and Owens on like uh on a Raw stage. And unfortunately, I didn't think this match lived up to those expectations. And of course, knowing the fact that there might be legitimate injury here and that the two the three of them had to scramble, um, I think explains more than explains why that might be. As a match, I I I, just, I felt the reaction to it maybe a little bit flat, um, but it's understandable if that's the case. Charlie was interviewing Becky Lynch, who said that she had been doubting herself, but then last night after beating Oscar, it finally hit her. I'm in another league than all of these other dopes, and she did like her Conor McGregor style promo here. She said the next ass she kicks is the one she wants to, not the one she needs to. And when asked about Charlotte Flair potentially challenging her, she said, if Flair challenges me, it won't be the first time, but it will be the last time. And then she showed off her new uh, GOAT logo on the back of her jacket. 
And that was it. No, nothing for Becky Lynch tonight. Uh, no, no tease of Shayna Baszler. Nothing in terms of what's next for her. Uh, just this quick promo. The tease really was like Charlotte, the potential of like having to face Charlotte again. You know, it just seems like they're dangling that carrot a little bit longer before revealing who a real opponent might be. Yeah, which as long as you're holding that up, you can't really proceed with Becky's next program as long as Charlotte is in storyline still an option for her. So they're kind of in a holding pattern uh, until they want to set up Charlotte's uh, program for me. You kind of need that holding pattern, don't you, with 10 weeks? It's a long time. You do. It's just like, you know, let, let's say it's like two or three weeks. It's just like Becky's kind of just twiddling her thumbs here on the show. Yeah. Andrade versus Umberto Carrillo for the United States title. Uh, there was no explanation why Umberto was getting a rematch the very next night for the title. After losing. Yes. Saxton called Andrade a certifiable a-hole. Uh, Andrade was in control here, and then Carrillo fought okay. back. Okay, so so yeah, Saxton calls Andrade that. You know what Jerry Lawler called Humberto Carrillo? Oh, no. I missed it. Cute. Oh, he I did catch him. And, he, he did and, call him cute and put over his dimples. And reminds him of Justin Bieber, which I think is great if you're, you know, trying to compliment, like, your nephew. Is Justin Bieber a compliment in 2020? Well, that's what I mean. Like, is this the type of commentary you would want for a serious competitor? You know? Um, but Jerry's not wrong. I think the guy looks like far too much like a child to be considered like, I don't know, that serious of a threat. Like there was a time though, like Justin Bieber was like in that, in that, uh, you know, teenage heartthrob category. I don't, I don't think he's quite, it, uh, maybe I'm just is. out of it. Is he? Well, he's certainly not like a mature guy's all inked up now. He's, he's looking more machine gun Kelly now than, you know, the, I think that's what the teens are into. Okay. Uh, not exactly a. I'm looking at this one photo. Umberto Carrillo would not be the the parallel I would make. I suppose you have to ask Jerry Lawler which iteration of Justin Bieber, which era, which uh, Bieber he was thinking of. So the match continues. There's a, a spin kick, and Umberto <laughs> successfully kicks the hand of Andrade that they kind of called out and then hits a better one as he comes off the rope and then hits a moonsault off the top. And after 10 and a half minutes, he goes for the cover and Zelina Vega just runs in for the disqualification. Carrillo just continues his attack. He sends Andrade into the steps, removes the padding and hits the hammerlock DDT to Andrade. That is a 30 day recovery period. The star of this match was Zelina Vega. Doing the run-in at the end specifically? or, or Not so much the run-in. It was when they would cut to her in the uh, on the apron. Like, just her facial reactions. Like, she is in more pain watching Andrade get beaten. And then her performance as Carrillo hit this hammerlock DDT. Like, she was nearly in tears as a result of this. You're right. She's always great. Yeah. And I didn't even mind the finish here. I think it gives Carrillo an out with a bit of credibility as the rightful winner here. It also makes you wonder if Zelina will be sticking around to feud with Carrillo by finding somebody else. Oh man, is Zelina going to move on? Well, I mean, 30 days is a long time. Are you going to ice her too? Yeah. I mean, that's, that would be really unfortunate if she um, gets iced, but I mean, that's kind of like when we saw all the stuff like with, uh, the Usos, 
with the Usos, it's like, okay, one one's dealing with this issue, so both of them are going to be kept off. Yeah, yeah, rather unfortunate. Um, you know, like AOP, AOP last year, when one got hurt, they just, you know, they kind of just view these as like one act, and like if, if one's hurt, well, both are off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it looks like it's, it's you know, another start for Humberto Carrillo. It, it just feels like it's, he's like kind of like next in that block, like, you know, your Cedric Alexanders or whoever to get a bit of a start before they decide to cool off on him again. And who knows, like, what the idea was before Andrade might have got suspended with Humberto Carrillo. Was he just supposed to have lost last night and that was it? Or was this sustained push supposed to occur anyway? To me, he's he's definitely cooled down from, I think, when... Paul Heyman initially started on Raw as, you know, I think you, as evidenced by the lack of reaction last night. And I think tonight to his comebacks, um, something is certainly holding him back. And my personal feeling is that, you know, he's a, an amazing wrestler, but I think the look holds him back a little bit. Like being compared to Justin Bieber is not exactly inaccurate. And I, I think um, the haircut looks really silly as well. So uh, it's that plus maybe the inability to to promo to make up for like some of that that um, and also the lack of a sustained push that I think it might might be preventing him from getting to that next level. No, if, if I had to compare the two, if you're looking for your young Hispanic babyface, I I would certainly be looking at uh, Angel Garza over Umberto at this point. Yeah, like I think he's just so much more charismatic than Umberto. Um, just just more dynamic in that role that I think would have been, you know, if, if you slot him into this role with Andrade, I, I think it, he would have connected a lot more at this point. with the, could, And has, we yeah. have seen him connect. Could it be possible that he's going to be Zelina's new guy? Maybe. I mean, he just lost the Cruiserweight title. And, you know, you could, you could slot him in into this seamlessly. Hmm, interesting. Then we had uh, Charlotte Flair come out, points to the sign. She announces that at WrestleMania, she's going to face the champion of her choosing. It's in 10 weeks. She's still thinking about it. And that was that. The Kabuki Warriors came out. Asuka screamed and yelled and said if she was in the Rumble, she would have won. And that set up a match between Charlotte and Asuka. I think after struggling for so long with like people like Asuka and Shinsuke, they they found a promo style that works for Asuka. You know, her, her promos... If you can really call them that, like really it's just like kind of screaming and then occasional like broken pieces of broken English and then easy peasy in there. Um, Whatever they are, they elicit a pretty good reaction thus far. They keep her talking brief and they immediately move to physicality with her. So and it's working, I think. The match took a while for the audience to kind of get into, and then they they worked into they worked up to some near falls that I, I think that's when they really got them here. Uh, we saw Charlotte miss the moonsault off the top, and then Oscar rolled into this bizarre looking submission that Flair escaped, and then Oscar applied a triangle. Flair power bombed her. Uh, Flair then came off the ropes with a spear for a two count that got a big reaction, and. She struggled to get to the figure eight, and then when she finally bridged up, Kyrie came off the top with the insane elbow for the DQ at 14 minutes and 10 seconds, and then Flair just fought off Kyrie. And I just thought the back to back with, with the DQs and this one going, you know, 14 minutes, it's a long time to go when this is the finish, but maybe yeah. this is, you know, just Charlotte's going to be dealing with these two for the next few weeks. Then. 
Ah, but still, like, just to get, it's so, it's, it just sours, I think, the, the entire show when you have, like, 40 minutes of TV time and no finishes. You know, you have a lot of wrestling, but just, like, two DQs in a row is a little too much. One is fine, but two in a row, is, I think, is pretty inexcusable. Never, never mind the fact that this is Charlotte versus Asuka. You know, and granted, like, this is not, um, like their first match, not even their second or third match together. According to Cage Joints, this is their four, fourth singles televised match between these two. So it's not nearly as important as it was the first couple times. But still, I think it's a pretty mar- big marquee ri- rivalry that I still at least romanticize in my head when thinking about all the top stars in the women's division. And I think just giving it away on a TV impromptu match with no promotion at all just like furthers cheapens, further cheapens it. And so... I found myself watching Charlotte versus Asuka on TV with like no desire really to even see the result. Crowd was quiet. I found myself checking my phone and really it's no fault of the performers at all because these two always like they always deliver in the ring. But like I have no reason to 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 see who wins. There's no storyline attached to it. And by the end of it, you didn't even give me a finish. So I, I didn't like this. I thought it was a waste of a protected rivalry. And I mean, the finish sucked itself. Yeah, I, I really didn't like the back-to-back DQs. This was just, you know, a way out of the match. And I think, yeah, once you're going that amount of time, that's the finish. It's it's going gonna, it's gonna to be met with uh, a lot of negativity. Oh, which is what I met this next segment with. The Street Profits are in the back. They start dancing, and then in comes Kelly Kelly. The chemistry among these three has to be seen to be believed. Montez Ford actually did a pretty good job of like trying to sing Kelly Kelly's theme song. And then Dawkins introduces himself and makes a bunch of uh, nicknames of himself, ending with... Doc Vader and Kelly says, did you say Doc Vader? Yup. Okay. (laughs) And then they proceeded to dance with like the level of emotion you would expect people to be jamming at a wake. This was awful. It was terrible. It was like not, it was nonsensical is what it was. This was the epitome of, like, just forcing a role for Kelly Kelly on this show that was just so terrible. I thought Asuka's promo made more sense than this. This was, like, one line after another that just, like, had no reason to exist. Like, what? So it was, like, (laughs) it was Kelly questioning whether Angela Dawkins just said Doc Vader. and, And Angela Dawkins says, yep. And then Montez Ford comes back saying... Like, that's great. We want the smoke. Like, that was pretty much the gist of it. It was it was just a lot of words for the sake of having words on TV. Um, and it was just really just shit TV. Like, if this were real, what was the impetus for Kelly to walk up to these two? What did she have in mind? What was the goal of this conversation? Was it just to say, hi, I'm Kelly Kelly. Nice to meet you. Uh... What was the purpose of this? She just walked in just to be here. Um, I'm giving way too much thought for this dreadful 60 seconds. But my God, have they just done such 
a number with the street profits that I just I can't stand these two anymore. Yeah. It's it's rough. Backstage, WWE backstage will have Roman Reigns and the Usos with Xavier Woods on the show from Miami on Tuesday night. Mojo Rawley comes out with Riddick Moss, who is now his offensive lineman. So does this mean this is a football player that tells off-color jokes? Mojo cuts a promo. He says, is the title going to be defended in the ring? No way. This is no longer the hide-and-go-seek championship, and I need a strong offensive lineman to watch my blind side. And he introduces Moss, who says, if you come for this title, you're about to get blocked. Mm-hmm. Is that what they do? Is that what an offensive lineman does? Well, th- 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 this is that's my strategy. If you're offensive to me, I block you. Right. So it's the same in football. Got it. Uh, I, I actually didn't mind Mojo's promo here. And it's like, here's the guy that, and now he's got his hired muscle. It's, it's Riddick Moss of all people that, I mean, does he not have, if a you legit, were to tell me, does he not have a football background? Oh, he does. Yeah. Like yeah. that's, I'm sure why he's getting the role, but it's just odd that you look at NXT. Like this guy hasn't been on TV and I can't remember the last time this guy was on TV. I feel like he's one of those guys who's just like, Let's just get him out of here. Like he's been taking up a locker in the performance center for like six years. Um, it's time to make space, you know. I'm happy for this guy. Like he's been stuck there. Like he's been this guy was signed in twenty fourteen. And and if you're gonna have any chance of getting Riddick Moss called up to the main roster, it's it's gonna be some something like Mojo Raleigh's protege in the twenty four seven division. You know, <laughs> like imagine that casting call. Um, I'll take it. <laughs> otherwise, this guy was just going to be a lifer in the PC. So I'm sure they're just happy to get rid of him. What I want is one of those uh, WWE PC YouTube videos where Matt Bloom brings in Riddick Moss and they have that emotional moment where they're <laughs> fighting back tears. He says, Riddick, you're going to be the offensive lineman for Mojo Raleigh in the comedy segment every week. Oh, oh my man. God. I feel so bad. Oh, I can't I like, believe it. I feel like we're being such dicks, but... um. You know what? There's a story to be told, I'm sure. Like, I'm sure that so, moment, like, legitimately might have been really big for him, you know, just to get, get called up on Raw. But, um, listen, we'll see. You know, this could be the start of a long, prosperous run. Well, this match wasn't long or prosperous. He murdered No Way Jose. He dropped him off his shoulders onto the mat and pinned him in 24 seconds. And then one of the conga dancers came in in an outfit, rolled up Mojo for the win, and it's R-Truth. And as R-Truth goes to leave, Riddick Moss blocks him from leaving, and Mojo wins the title back. Mission accomplished. He literally blocked him. Like, he just stood (laughs) in R-Truth's path. It was awesome. There was no other other exit. Yeah, so... uh... I think if your your intent is to show that Riddick Moss is actually good at his job, why wouldn't he have stopped R Truth from winning the belt in the first place? You know, like um, I think if your intent was to like rebrand this twenty four seven title and to have Mojo Rawley sort of feel like a different champion, I definitely wouldn't have had R Truth just be able to schoolboy him to pin him at first try. Um, there's no harm in having a near near fall attempt here with like Riddick Moss getting in the way and stopping it instead. I think just to, I don't know, add another number to that, like um, 
I, Wikipedia page, they had Mojo really look like a fool, I think. They showed the lowlights of the Lana Bobby Lashley wedding segment and Liv confronting Lana. And that all of this led to the match with Lana and Liv Morgan. That's how Liv go after Lana, uh, hit a step up in Zaguri, and then a flatliner off the middle rope. And Liv Morgan won this thing in two minutes, 37 seconds. Uh, I'll say this, that, you know, it was it was short, but I thought Liv Morgan looked fine here. I thought technically it was pulled off pretty well, including that springboard flatliner. So, yeah, like like we've we've said and people have said over previous weeks, I think Liv Morgan definitely has shown improvement. Um, I will say, though, for a match that I think had such a big angle attached to it and for a character like Lana that's received so much airtime, there was no reaction to this at all. You know, this match no happened cared. two minutes past, and now everyone's forgotten about it. And I don't know where Liv Morgan, like, do you think this feud continues or what? Oh, I, I do think, I think this thing's going to go into eternity. Yeah. Like Liv Morgan, I think for all the high hopes, maybe everybody might've had after those vignettes a month following that re-debut. I almost feel like she's in the same place she was at during the riot squad. You know, I, I, I think this whole Lana thing really detoured Liv Morgan, but you know, you can tell like she has certainly improved, and I hope that you know she can just segue into something else once this this thing is finally just flushed down the toilet. Yeah, Eric Rowan destroyed Brandon Vice with the Iron Claw in sixty four seconds, just right back to the Rowan squashes as though the Rumble did not exist, and we're just going right back to this thing with Rowan. By this point, it was like this crowd had enough. You know, like they just this was want- the main event, Brandon Vice in the main event of Raw. <laughs> This crowd just wanted to see Edge. And it, it, like by this point, it was like dud segment after dud segment for this crowd. So I don't blame them for the non-reaction here at all. I mean, it was just like... They'd, I feel bad because like Rowan didn't really answer for like being thrown out by Brock Lesnar last night. So we're just kind of... I don't know. We're supposed to forget about it, I suppose. So the final segment, what everyone had waited for. Edge comes out. Huge pop. They're chanting his name. And he gets the microphone and talks about being medically disqualified from doing this nine years ago. But he started to feel better, and he started to ask the question, what if? So he ended up having a second neck surgery and ended up getting into the best shape of his life at the age of 46 so he can end his career on his terms. Sorry to cut you off, but like I was looking for in this promo, I thought he was going to get into exactly what he did to like somehow come back from like a career-ending neck injury. And he said... Like, as much as the explanation as we were going to get was, I got another neck surgery. Like, do, do you think that'll ever come out? I would imagine, um, given that they were following him around all weekend and that they'll probably be one of those chronicles or something on him, I'm sure. And he's going to be interviewed plenty going into WrestleMania. So I'm sure the whole story will come out. And Edge is one of those guys, too, that he's, well, I should say this with the caveat of this doesn't apply when he's uh, trying to uh, build up a return and not tell anyone. But generally, he's one of the he's pretty forthright and honest about things that I think the story will come out about all the things that he had to go through, because I'm sure it's a fascinating story. Do we know that Van Halen wasn't playing or Pearl Jam? I mean, Pearl Jam. Maybe he was en route to a concert and was like, oh, there's wrestling in town. Maybe I can make a comeback. Maybe he maybe so. He mentions all of the names that he encountered in the Royal Rumble, and he doesn't know how long this comeback is going to last. He's a bit older, a bit grayer, but one thing he has is grit. 
If he gets knocked down, he gets back up. And this prompts Randy Orton to come out and he gives Edge a hug and he talked about having problems in his younger days and putting himself into a hole that he couldn't dig himself out of and there was Edge to help pull him out of that hole. And he welcomes Edge home. He says Edge is like a brother. He's family to him and their chemistry is special. And he's got his own what if. What if rated RKO got to back together one more time? And as they're standing there, and the audience is really into this, he nails Edge with an RKO. And everyone's stunned. And Orton goes and he gets a chair. He attacks Edge. He then places the chair around Edge's neck. And he climbs onto the turnbuckle that he's going to pilmanize him. And he's looking remorseful. And he ends up hopping off the turnbuckle, not attacking him. And he goes to leave, but then runs back to ringside, grabs two chairs, and he ends it with a concerto onto Edge as the crowd chanted asshole at him. At least a few people did. And that's how the show ended. And Randy was, I thought, like, some people really get on Randy for being just slow or methodical. But I thought, the like, he was... He did not rush through any of this, and it really sunk in with the crowd, and I think they were really pissed by the end uh, at Randy Orton. So I thought the angle got over pretty well. I mean, I, I hear those criticisms as, as it relates to maybe his in-ring, but I, I, I would never criticize somebody for taking their time and being slow and methodical when it comes to doing an angle like this, mm -hmm. which I think Randy Orton is a master. And I think what we saw here was a master class in pacing and just, just working. From Randy Orton, you know, seeing him, seeing his acting through all this, like his his facial expressions, milking all the reaction and drama he could possibly get from the moment from this audience. I thought this was one of Randy's best performances. This was, to me, one of like, Orton at his best. I, the entire thing I thought was awesome. You know, I think, I think, let's start off with Edge. Like, he, to me, has like some, you know, the, the type of thing that I think Daniel Bryan has. This very, this moment very much felt like, you know, the Daniel Bryan return to me where, he comes out and you could just see like the emotion on his face. And when I see a guy look like he's about to cry, I want to start to cry because I mean, I feel like I'm watching an important moment every time Edge has been on TV for the past, you know, I guess several appearances that he's made and um, pro promo or speech. If you want to call, want to call it, that was great. Um, I think the, the rated RKO tease certainly, um, I think was a little bit shocking to me because we had, we all knew, I think eventually they were probably going to do something with Orton and edge. Um, but I expected maybe the turn to come a little bit later and not right at this moment, but I don't mind it at all. You know, this was great, simple and a highly effective way to bring us to that program. And maybe if edge only has a couple of matches left, you kind of got have to rush. You don't really have time for a rated RKO thing, uh, reunion. And instead you go right to the singles program it takes Edge out for, what, several weeks or however long it takes, and he immediately has a really hot angle and a really hot opponent to come back to. So I love this. Yeah, this to me was um, yeah, done really well. I think they really need to tease that Edge is now a question mark if he can do the match at WrestleMania and you can really build it up effectively. And yeah, I, I, I thought this came off uh, very, very well. Um, with the two of them and will be one of the major matches at, at WrestleMania with, you know, I, 
I hope that they can hold off, and and I I don't think Edge should wrestle before then, and I think um, Saudi Arabia is just like that is a massive show for them, and that's the only like they treat that like a WrestleMania. But I I hope that they can hold that off, um, and with this angle, they should. So, yeah, I can't think of a bigger opponent like it's not for for I mean, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, maybe at this point you don't have Edge Wrestle at all. Maybe other than, like, a house show tag team match or something. Mm -hmm. Both guys were great here. Like, Edge, just, you know, just Mm -hmm. tremendous promo that just felt so genuine. And even, like, his selling as well after the, like, where his hand is twitching. And just, like, these little things that really uh, put it over the top as well. And I thought Randy was fantastic, too. I I thought it was especially surprising considering that I think we, I mean, Orton had barely just turned babyface. Mm-hmm. So I certainly didn't expect this so soon, and it made the surprise that much more effective. So overall, Raw, I thought, you know, good first hour, um, an excellent closing angle, but I thought a really weak middle that really, I think, tested my patience. Um, a lot of uneventful matches, uh, a lot of things that were rushed and maybe some excusable, like if Sabojo was was injured, I, I can understand why. Maybe that was a little bit flat, but... Um, Maybe a lot of people just waiting for the edge thing, but you know, it's, it was a lot of segments that really did not uh, excite me at all, but good follow up for drew. And again, great angle with edge and Orton. Yeah. And we'll, and we'll see how this episode performs. Like this is usually one of the most watched raws of the year. Um, so that will uh, come out on, on Tuesday. So let's go over to the forum and see what everyone had to say on a scale of one to 10. This show generated a 6.86. So, uh, a good rating from the forum. Paul from New Jersey writes, I enjoyed the booking of Drew McIntyre tonight. They kept it simple. And I actually liked the countdown to the Claymore. Jerry Lawler stated that Rey Mysterio could get back to his winning ways tonight in his home state of San Antonio, Texas. Wrong San King. How about some of the babyface booking on this show? Owens and Joe getting the Viking Raiders to attack AOP, evening the odds for the tag match. Umberto gets completely screwed out of the U.S. title and makes Andrade pay for it the same way he had to the rest of us. Uh, and the rest of us did in that gauntlet match slash injury angle. All too often, babyfaces in WWE are made to look like soft idiots. So I very much enjoyed these angles tonight. I would like to thank the WWE for consistently front-loading Raw and leaving all the horse shit in the third hour. The third hour contained perhaps the worst promo thus far from the Street Profits and Kelly Kelly, No Way Jose versus Mojo, Rowan's box, and everybody's favorite cuck angle. I feel jet lagged, and I haven't been on a plane since last February. Good thing it ended with Edge, 6 out of 10. Brandon from Oshawa says, I thought they might actually have raided RKO team a couple times before the turn, but I'm glad they just came right out with it and ended the show with a big angle. The fans were never going to get behind rated RKO more than they were tonight, so it was perfect. I agree with Paul about the booking of the baby faces. They've actually done a pretty good job over the last couple months of making Owens in particular look really smart and not fall for every heel tactic. I'm not into Alberto Carrillo, but he's never been more over than he was tonight when he laid out Andrade. Before Edge eventually retires again, do you see at least one more run with the WWE or Universal title? Uh... I, I don't throw anything out, out the window. I mean, remember that year when, when Hogan came back and they just made the snap decision and they put the title on him. And I, I thought that was a mistake that year to go that far with Hogan and it kind of wore out its welcome. I, I don't think Edge needs to be holding the title. If if he's going to do a handful of matches, they should just be special matches that are not involving the title. 
I guess we don't know if it's a handful of matches that he'll he'll just be doing. You know, they could be saving him up for like the freshness of like a first match for Mania. But if he has a run left in him, and if he really catches fire, I wouldn't completely rule out um, him winning one of the championships. Anything's possible. Like I, I wouldn't throw anything out at all. Uh, we go on next to Sam. I feel like it might just be me, but I'm not buying Drew McIntyre as a future champion and winner of the Rumble. His recent changes to this crowd pandering babyface comes off as just hokey and cheesy. I could buy it better if he was this badass destroyer like Sid in late 96 that the crowd just wanted to see destroy Sean, but I'm not getting that feeling. This feels so manufactured and hollow. I wonder if in a year Drew will just be a bodyguard for Shane McMahon again. I hope I'm wrong. That's uh, Sam from Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, I... I disagree. I think like Drew, I think that there was a point where he felt very one dimensional. And I think they've uh, they've gone to great lengths over this past month to kind of get him into this position. But he's he's not all the way there yet. Uh, I'll definitely grant you that. I think there's a difference. Like, like that's a complaint that Sam made that I definitely have of somebody like Lacey Evans. And I feel like the difference between, let's say, those two pushes is the fact that like, one is actually really talented in ring, which I think, you know, fans really appreciate. And the other seems really creed. Um, one, they're both, like, decent talkers. But uh, I think maybe with Lacey Evans, it's more of a character who is reading lines. And Drew's certainly that as well. But I, I feel like with Drew, you can buy a bit more credibility behind his words uh, because I think he has, like, the in-ring experience to back it up, perhaps. Um, so I, I agree. I think the audience is taken to him. Andrew from Cape Breton says, I thought raw was pretty good this week. Apparently it just came out, but Andrade's wellness policy violation, which kind of makes it weird that they did, didn't just have him drop the belt, but I guess they want to try to give Humberto a bit of an edge. Speaking of edge, they gave him quite a heavy angle going to mania. The main issue coming out of that is nobody came out to help edge from Orton attempting to paralyze the guy. And lastly, with MVP returning, I hope they reunite him with Lashley. He and Lashley had incredible chemistry and impact, and Lashley needs all the help he can get after the Rusev angle. Well, why would Lashley all of a sudden ditch Lana for MVP? I I don't think they're blowing that angle up at all after all the time they've put into that one. Um, I I do think that's uh, definitely a valid criticism of the Edge one because I certainly was thinking it, but on the top of that, What's your explanation? Like, where? how can you explain why no one is coming out to have Edge's back? Um, it's just one of those, you kind of have to, like, turn that side of your brain off. Like, to, Everybody to execute. Uh, I guess you could have said that. Um, well, who would have his friends have been? I guess Ray. That whole locker room that's grown up watching him, that were in awe of him in uh, the Rumble. Yeah. It's so, true. I mean, the... Uh, Hawkins and Ryder, the uh, the Edgeheads. They're probably just busy. Wow, I I definitely thought of that during the thing, but I was like, what what are they going to say? Everyone's locked in the locker room. Um, no one's backstage. I mean, it's just I I think that most fans at this point they're not even thinking about that stuff. That you can get away with it, and the angle was good enough that I think people will overlook that hole. Uh. Gerard writes, I've only seen the second half of the show, but having the 24-7 title defended in a normal match 
Then doing more title changes afterwards sums up WWE's illogical booking style. Also, Orton turning on edge could be seen a mile away. Why not try and pop a rating with an RKO reunion match next week on Raw? Because that would be silly to have Edge wrestle on Raw next week would be my answer. Alex from Portland says, just a question this week. What match do you see main eventing Mania? I can't see Reigns getting that distinction yet again. McIntyre is a new top star and a main event might be too much too early. Edge and a possible final match against Orton seems unlikely to close out the show. And since Baszler didn't win the Rumble, I can't imagine the women main eventing again this year. Is there a possible unannounced or rumored match that could main event instead? Nothing that I've heard. I would imagine it would be one of the title matches that goes on last. And I would include with that the... I, I, I don't throw out the Becky Baszler, if that really caught on big, um, that they would go to that. But I would say today, just looking at where everything's shaping up, I think like Brock and Drew is going to be pushed as the number one match. Do you think we have a... I mean, if what you're suggesting or, or what... what okay. It might happen with with Charlotte versus Rhea Ripley for Mania might occur. Um, does that mean we'll get an NXT men's title defense as well? I don't know. Yeah, I wonder. It's possible. Yeah, I wonder. Thing is, it's like it's yeah because you do the have the takeover, takeover that weekend, but um, yeah, that's an interesting question. If you would have an NXT title match on WrestleMania, I could see the argument for for having it at WrestleMania. Um, but in terms of closing the show, like unless they have some major, like major match involving, you know, some big name from the past or something that uh, we're not aware of. Um, you know, it seems like edge is like your big name from the past. That's on the show. Mm-hmm. All right. Will from New York. The closing angle was fantastic because Orton is great when given these kinds of things. Unfortunately, it has to lead to a match and it's hard not to get disappointed with seeing our returning hero paired with the stalest guy in the company. There's no shortage of fresh matchups and dream scenarios with Edge, but as is par for the course of WWE, they pick the one opponent that's impossible to get excited about. Uh, do you agree with that? Um, No, not at all. I'm really excited for Edge and Orton. I think it's. I, I think it'll be. I think it'll turn out really well. I, I think people are way too down on Orton at times, and I think that Edge will get the the best out of Orton, and it's a major match. That Randy has not had a lot of major matches of late. Who um, else like has that history with Edge that I think would make for such a interesting rivalry? Yeah, it's like you could have the, the only the other options would have been like the dream match scenarios, you know, people that brought that Edge has never faced, like a Brian or a Styles, but they wanted to have the personal issue, and I, I really have no issue with it. I thought the angle tonight was very good. I don't so, think the storytelling would be as good if with either of those that you suggested. Yeah, for ten weeks, I mean that's that's really tough. Like you couldn't shoot that angle now if you were going to do like say Edge and, um, you know, putting a let, let's just throw AJ into that closing angle tonight. Um, it just wouldn't have had the same gravity to me that Orton would because of the history that you just mentioned. As a heel, I, th- I find AJ more of sort of like a campy, like over the top comedy heel. Whereas I think with an Orton angle, you have the chance of making it like a real serious, violent thing, which they were successful in doing. Yeah. Great video package you can make on their history Yeah, as well. Yes. We got a Nick from Lansing who says, what should have been a celebration episode of Raw ended with one of the most uncomfortable and hard to watch segments I can remember. When Orton came out, at first I was reuniting. At first I thought reuniting them would be a smart way to slowly get Edge back into the groove of things. But boy, was I wrong. 
I was also uncomfortable with him, including the spear from a ladder so early in the packages about his career. I know it was chronological, but moves like that are part of it, are a part of his legacy. Yes, but also contributed to his early retirement. It's okay to talk about, but glorifying it and then ending with that angle left a bad taste in my mouth personally. What did the two of you think? Um, I didn't I, think I, of it at I all. I didn't feel that way at all. Um, you know, that's like... Well, it, it's the elephant in the room. If you're not going to bring up why he retired and you're using that for heat, it's to me no different than when Sean came back and making the back the focus. I mean, that's real to people. They are aware of that. Um, I think, no. I think if you were to ask Edge, I think he would tell you that he's incredibly proud of like spots like that and matches like that, you know, even though they did contribute to his early retirement. I mean, that's like, that's just, I don't know the specifics of the injury or like if there's any specific spot that might have caused it. I think it might be different if we're talking about like somebody getting specifically injured in like a uh, a suplex suplex gone wrong or like you know Paige getting kicked in the in the back and like having to retire because of what, that one big move. Um, but I guess as best as I could tell, like Edge's injuries are more cumulative and, yeah, and, and, and was, really just and a I, result of an in ring career that you know like lasted as long as it did. So, and got spinal stenosis. Like that's that's what he was dealing with. Yeah. So I I really don't see any reason to like censor uh, parts of his career out of sensitivity because I highly doubt that he himself would would feel sensitive about it. All right. We go to Diego from San Antonio who attended the show live. He mentioned for main event Riddick Moss defeated Cedric Alexander and. He says he enjoyed the show overall, even with a third hour that was only redeemed with Edge's appearance. Overall, nice audience turnout. The hard cam section of the arena had a good number of people occupying it. Um, he goes through some of the uh, highlights here of the show and uh, just going here. Uh, needless to say, everyone was on their feet for Edge. Great comeback promo from him. I enjoyed the obvious RKO from Orton and the hesitant nature of Orton to continue his wrath. Edge got taken out in a stretcher after the segment, and he gave it a 6.5 out of 10 being there live in the arena. Thank you, everybody, for your feedback. Okay. Well, uh, we have come to the end where it's now time to announce the winners of the annual post-wrestling Royal Rumble Pool. And, Wade, do you have the results in front of you? I do have them in front of me. Yeah, initially we said we were going to announce this on Review a Dynamite or Rewind a Dynamite, but Chris Engler uh, was working extra hard and was feeling uh, super up to the task of doing all of this uh, overnight. So thank you, Chris Engler, again for everything uh, that you do for the post-wrestling community. And so we have the results of the post-wrestling 2020 Royal Rumble pool. The entrance into the pool this year were 655 and... Maybe just some stats to start off. The responses with numbers and percentages of people having picked the correct answer as their first pick. How many people, John, do you think picked correctly the men's Rumble winner, Drew McIntyre? Um, 655 people entered. I'll guess 141. <laughs> You're exactly right. Wow. 141 people. That's a, that's a remarkable guess, John. 141 people out of 655 or 22% of people guessed that one right. 17% of people accurately predicted Charlotte Flair to win the Women's Rumble. Uh, 4% of you accurately predicted that the men's number two uh, Rumble entrant would be Elias. It's a very tough one. Only yeah, one given the song, I, I could see like more picking Elias, but uh, maybe not. The, the next one blows me away that 
six people actually got this one. Six people accurately predicted that Bianca Belair would be the second entrant in the Women's Royal Rumble, which is only 1% of all entrants. So congratulations to all of you. Nine of you accurately predicted that Samoa Joe would be the 29th entrant in the Men's Rumble. That also is a 1% statistic. None of you predicted that Santina Morella would be the 29th entrant in the Women's Royal Rumble. So um, That would have been very impressive if anyone got that one. Yeah, I would even start to question what that person might know. Hmm. Uh, the men's rumble with the longest, the, the person who lasted the longest time in the men's rumble this year was Drew McIntyre at 34 minutes and 11 seconds and 6% of you or 37 of you accurately predicted that the person with the shortest time in the rumble this year was Eric Rowan at eight seconds and four of you or 1% predict predicted that accurately. That's, that's amazing that anyone would have picked Rowan to be the shortest in the rumble. Yeah. That's pretty surprising, and I think even more surprising that Eric Rowan, like, they did, they made no real effort to, like, have him, I guess, save face from it, other than your typical squash match on this show. Um, nine, 9% or 58 of you predicted that Elias would be the first eliminated, eliminated in the Men's Rumble, and 102 of you predicted that the last eliminated in the Men's Rumble would be Roman Reigns, or 16%. So... Uh, just to kind of finish up here, the categories, the men's surprise entrance, those that qualified would have been Edge and MVP. So if you accurately predicted that, good for you. The women's surprise entrance this year were Kelly Kelly, Molly Holly, and Santina Morella. And the total time of the men's rumble, which was our tiebreaker, is one hour and 50 seconds. So our winners... Out of a theoretical maximum of 132 points, which meant that you accurately chose number one choices for all of these things and accurately guessed all the surprise entrants in each rumble. Uh, Out of 132 points, we have coming in at number three with 52 points, Kyle McDonough. Coming in number two at 55 points out of a possible 132 Kevin H. Kellum. Congratulations. The silver medal. And our winner, coming in at a possible 60 points out of 132, Stephen Rafferth. Stephen Rafferth, congratulations to you. You win this year's Royal Rumble pool. Well, we also have some consolation awards to give out, which Chris has dubbed the 2020 zero club people who came in with zero points out of a possible 130 you five people took an enormous swing and you connected with nothing (laughs) i'm talking about mark bennett tess botkin oh tess dave stewart i'm sure not the former oakland a's toronto blue jays pitcher ivan who did not leave a last name smartly and Chris Summerfield. So, uh, so guys, you know, it's a real risk entering these pools because you'll can, get called out. Yeah. But next year, you can't do worse. Well, let's hope. And then my absolute favorite. Every year, we get the strangest and funniest misspellings slash autocorrects. And these are some of the gems that were submitted this year. If you will indulge me, Way. Uh, yes. Alex Bliss. R-Truth, A-R-E hyphen truth. 
Bath Phoenix, <laughs> Brain Cage, Brick Lesnar, Brock Leaner, Carnella, Jack the Snake, Jazz slash Jacqueline submitted as a single response. Oh, no. Kane Velasquez spelt K-A-N-E. <laughs> Kiffy Kingston, Manny Rose, <laughs> No Way H-O-S-E, <laughs> a repeat from last year, Chris Notes, <laughs> Ricochet, <laughs> Sanction Morella, Shanna Blazer, Shannar Bazaar. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> There's only a few more here. They're all great. Shirty G. <laughs> The Mix, Tyson Fury with two R's, and the best one. This should be the man's new name, out of respect to the mayor of Knoxville County. Vane Velasquez. Wow. Vane Velasquez. That's my new (laughs) name that I want to hear the man introduced as. So thank you, folks. Those are my favorites every year. Now, which ones, which ones can you deduce are a result of autocorrect and which uh, stupidity? I mean, with Kane Velasquez being Vane Velasquez, the C and the V are right next to each other. So I can buy that one. Although Velasquez was, uh, it's a minor thing. Spelling. The, the Shana Baszler misspellings are definitely like not a result of autocorrect. Shanna Sha- Blazer? Shanar Bazar? Please. Sanction, maybe sanction was an autocorrect from Santino. Possible. Ricochet. Rick, ricochet. Um, Keefe Kingston. I don't Certainly know. Certainly Jazz slash Jacqueline. That, that, no autocorrect would have done that. <laughs> Congratulations <laughs> to that person. Yeah. Or A-R-E truth. <laughs> yeah. That's a weird one. Maybe they were using like speech to text. Uh, possible possible but nonetheless i can enjoy these no matter how they were submitted so So, thank you to everyone yep Uh, and congratulations to our winner again i'll be in contact with you about some prizes from store.postwrestling.com and as always a big thank you to chris angler for tabulating all of this and uh running this pool for us each and every year uh thank you very much chris and thank you to all of you for tuning in to our post-Royal Rumble edition of Rewind to Raw. We're back Tuesday night for Cafe Members with Ask Away. We are going to go through all of your mailbag questions. Uh, if you're listening to this early Tuesday morning, you can, you can still submit some questions on the forum. Uh, if not, tune in Tuesday night. Uh, that is when we will speak with you next. So, uh, Way, uh, I now pronounce this podcast over. <laughs>